This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Your hard-working specialist that'll get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. People ask you if you want to go do something in life, to say, why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? Hello, friends. This is Big Kenny of Big and Rich, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. This is Jared Stoll from the Saskatoon Blazers. You're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. This is former Notre Dame Hound and Regina Pat Barry Trotz, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner. Hey, I'm Jeremy Roenick, and why wouldn't a guy listen to the Monday Nooner? Hello and a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 36 of the Monday Nooner podcast. It's brought to you by our new title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors, the number one rural GM dealer in Saskatchewan. Also brought to you by Mainline Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram in Rosetown as well. Of course, they are the king of trucks. They still got the Sunday ticket contest going on. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's dive right in and introduce you to the fellas this week. Shane Belter. Nice backdrop you got there. We might have to share with everybody. Painter's tape. Uh, man, you must have went through a roll of that stuff. Got lots of painter's tape kicking around. Boz, happy to be here tonight. Missing Sean Kindop. I heard we got a worldwide ballpoint pen shortage, so he couldn't <laughs> be here tonight. Yeah, he had uh, prior commitments, so uh, tough sledding, but we'll be able to fill the void, I'm sure. Shink, how are you doing this week? If there's any team that can play with three lines, it's it's this team right here. I, I'm very, I'm very confident that that, you know, we, we'll we'll get it done uh, one way or the other. Boz, you have to send a picture. Belter, you did a fantastic job with that painter's tape. Like you're just really running with it now, which I totally love. And you got the T A S S. So when you guys see that on social media too, posting that is take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. I was just gonna quickly jump in there and say you mentioned our three-line team who was our guest a couple twirls ago that said that like couldn't get on the ice it was like the fourth or fifth overtime it might have been Hodgers I remember him saying like he was in a game that went four or five overtimes maybe it was maybe it was this week's guest Mark Habsha anyway uh our fourth line usually plays three or four minutes a night so I don't think we'll have any trouble 
fill, it, no. fill the gap there. No, we should be good, boys. I agree, and uh, I think we're ready to roll. Hey, pod's always recorded on Treaty 4 land, boys, and a shout-out to those guys. I know a lot of chief and councils out there are really working hard to try and control things on their reserves, so shout-out to you guys. I know it's not always easy. And another thing, uh, Belt, speaking of something that's not always easy, is, uh, you know, sometimes you have to, in life, I, I guess, have a bit of uh, intervention with with people. And, you know, I... I know of some people that have battled some things throughout life and, and you, you know, you got to sit down with maybe a group of guys and sit them down and say, um, you know, we need to reevaluate. And that's what we're going to do here right now with, uh, with Shane Belter and his collectible obsession. Um, <laughs> it started, you know, a little bit funny and Belter's buying a few jerseys and he's kind of looking through hockey cards and, uh, he's, and if you guys have tuned into the last few episodes, you, you kind of got that from, from us and then this week, he dropped an absolute bombshell on us. He started talking about Pokemon cards. And, Boz, you and, I, you and I were just beside ourselves in the chat group. And we were like, like what is going on here, yeah. Shane? All right. Okay, hey, listen. So I, uh, I'm i not collecting Pokemon cards. We're going to set the record straight <laughs> right now. I got a buddy of mine who, great guy, Joe, lives in Regina here. He actually... I'm not kidding you guys. He was telling me he bought some cards for around the 3K mark at the start of this year, these Pokemon cards. And he's a big sports guy too. He's not really into this, but his kids got him into this. Put this money down, he said, on 15 cards, got them graded, which were like these the best cards you can get or whatever. Sent them away for auction. And at the end of this year or the end of 2020, he sold them for like 19K. Made a cool 16 uh, selling cards. So imagine uh, justifying that to the wife. Yeah, I'm not a Pokemon guy, but uh, but yeah, no, okay. I got a hey, got a McDavid jersey last night. Well, I was gonna say, you know, you might have a problem when I called you earlier today to say, hey, I'm gonna be a little bit late and getting this set up because you were asking when I was gonna be good to go, and you literally cut me off to be like, I just got in some roulette deal, got some McDavid jersey, like it's all you wanted to talk about. Man. It's I just hey. want to make sure you're okay, like you're not taking this too far because pretty soon. I keep looking in the back. We're going to see Beanie Babies or Cabbage Patch Doll. Because anything collectible or stamps, I don't. Are you going to be stamp guy? Val's got Val's got coins. Coins and dollar bills. She's all about it. <laughs> and then Let's you started go. the other night. You started <laughs> wanting to go through all mine. Like you got excited. I do. Like, I want to hey, go through your cards. That big time. That Lemieux rookie and that Brett Hull rookie. I need to send those away to get graded. We like, got to. Let's get her done, boys. Let's go. Twirl 50, Shane's going to be live from Medicine Hat's coin show. <laughs> in Just the mall. Rock, rock bottom. In, in the mall, and the, the, the little thing goes round and around there, and away we go. Have you guys, so. have you guys ever been to Vegas when they yes. have those collectible shows or they set up in the casinos, and it's like there's some, a lot of really cool stuff, but then there's always like a guy signing autographs, like a former pro athlete. And I forget who it was. It was like uh, a former running back in the NFL that was signing autographs at Planet Hollywood last year. And he just looked like he was, life had been sucked out. He's signing autographs for a couple bills in the Planet Hollywood casino. And I felt really bad for the guy. But yeah, those shows in Vegas, like, man, the stuff you can buy and look at and get. And then OJ Simpson, remember that whole story where he, uh, he, when he tried to rob the guy, tried to rob his stuff back? 
<laughs> That's an awesome. OJ, we got to get OJ on. What? Sorry, I I just sorry. I'm just I'm just booking a flight to Vegas. Okay, so I'm back. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard about that shank. Yeah, the uh, the OJ thing. But uh... come up, shank. Of course, this week for Joel Trap Realty One. Whether you're buying or selling, make sure you check check out our friend Joel Trap and Rob Peterson, and they can get you looked after. Busy show. We are going to have three interviews. We're going to have Mark Habscheid, who can tell... You got thought Jeff Audres. We're going to get to that in a bit. Last week, he could tell a story, and then we bounce with Mark Habscheid, who can really tell a story. Man, did that guy play some good hockey internationally and in the NHL? Uh, sat beside Wayne Gretzky, you know, back in the early 80s in, in the Oiler locker room. Then we're going to have Cole Sillinger down in the USHL. The WHL and the whole USA, somehow he got his release. We're going to talk to Cole, who is going to be a first-round draft pick this year in the NHL, and he made the jump to the USHL, so he's playing hockey right now. A quick chat with him. And then all of our curling fans, we'll kind of tie that into the senior hockey soiree for Freeze, Tallman, is we're going to talk about the Team Saskatchewan men's squad that got selected to go bubble up in Calgary for the Briar, Braden Muscawi. We talked to him this weekend. We saved it. So Muscawi is going to join us. Man, that guy's got some funny shit to say about what can come come up in the curling bubble. So even if you don't like curling, all of our American uh, listeners, tune in because he's a hell of a guy. So that stuff, plus a little bit more, and our Take a Seat Sun segment for Rusty Shovel, that's that's going to be great as well. So there you go, the come up for Joel Trapp and everyone at Real 2-1. Fellas, I got a I got a great story I want to tell you about Habby, and I think some people think this is pretty good too. I was playing for Habby in Kamloops. He was our coach there when I was twenty, and I remember uh, Art Breeze was my uh, was my agent out of Calgary. We called him Fart Sneeze, but uh, I remember I got my contract offer and I and I went into Habby's office and uh, I showed him the contract, and you know, like we all we all do, and our agents tell you that you're you're worth more, and I said I think I'm going to hold out. You're worth more, and or I'm worth more, and he says to me, Belts. Sign the contract. You're one of the worst skaters I've ever seen. Take a seat. <laughs> Boom. Take a seat. Belts. I signed that contract, and I still have some of that money squirreled away those suckers gave me. Hey, what about last show and Jeff Odgers? Obviously, a Sasky gentleman. Huge uh, listenership. Yeah, again, you can tell he's got broadcasting in him, right? Because he kind of takes the story and I had really good feedback. Some of the stuff we saw on social media and some of the DMs we got were some, for some pretty big names. So, yeah, the last show recap is always for Cathedral Electric and Dave Spooner. Anything you need electrically done, Dave can hook you up. Boss, um, the messages on Jeff, you you knew going in that Audrey's was going to be huge. Yeah, it's and it's just because he's such a good storyteller. Like you said, broadcasting background a little bit, but... What I think people loved about it is the senior hockey, and it's so cool that anybody that is involved with senior hockey, which is a big chunk of our listenership, knows that Aji still plays and is still involved in just such a weapon of a storyteller. And we posted that clip about his first senior goal looking up in the rafters uh, or at the Jumbotron. Darren Drager sent it out on his Twitter and Ray Ferraro, which was pretty cool. But all around, probably, if not one of the best storytellers we've had. I was just worried about those guns crushing walnuts. Like that guy's got some cannons on his uh, hanging from his shoulders. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was it was great, and I think that maybe a trip to Rokenville or in that area next year when senior hockey's buzzing, uh, yeah, like an overnighter or something. Boz can meet Rock us halfway. City. <laughs> the Rock. 
Yeah, that that would be a, a lot of fun because you get a sun on, and it sounded like a lot of the guys in that area that started japping on uh, and and women japping on our uh, Twitter and stuff would be super cool. So yeah, that was the last uh, last show recap. Uh, also for Gentle Procedure Saskatchewan, no needle, no scalpel vasectomy. Hey guys, one thing I I wanted to go down here that really kind of pisses me off, and but this could have almost been your tirade belter down the road is. We had Kelly McClintock on last show as well, and we talked about the new, uh, or, or you know, the fact that hockey probably isn't coming back this year. And I am just now totally dumbfounded. Kelly really told it like it was. I don't know what you guys thought, but he basically explained to everybody they want hockey as bad as as much as anyone, and that's what people. Yeah. That's what that's feedback I got from people. They're like, you know what? He put it in perspective. We didn't really get it. Like the guys at Sask Hockey want freaking hockey people. Like, yeah, I think a lot. I think Kelly took a lot of heat there before the interview because people thought that maybe he was behind this or he was setting this up this way. But you know, he's just like the rest of us. That's how they make their bread, right? They want to. Uh, they want to play hockey. So, well, there were some donkeys who were still giving him heat after. Like they're just whatever, right? He's not going to win them over, unfortunately. But did you t did you t a s s him, Boz? I should have told him to take a seat, but yeah. And you know what? He's just for him to come on and like, what did we give a twenty minute warning for him to come yeah. on and say, "Hey, we want to get this out to the people." He was like, "Absolutely," and, and he really, you know, told it like it was, and and it's great. So here's my issue now, and it's not with them; it's with the business response team or the government, whoever's making these freaking calls. So you tell me that that rink. That's at Mosaic Stadium can now be bumped up to 50 people instead of 30. Fantastic. I could give a rip. That's awesome. Let people go outside and skate. So that got reevaluated. But the eight novice kids on a big sheet of ice didn't get reevaluated. What the hell's the difference? Now, well, then there's eight small humans. Bump it up to 14 small humans playing hockey. Am I off my rocker here, or shouldn't that be reevaluated by this uh, these geniuses as well? Well, I think like like you know Kelly told us is when we've asked him for answers is they're just setting these numbers with no clue or no rhyme or reason, and they just are rolling with it, right? That's uh, I think that's the most frustrating part for myself, and I think for a lot of people is there's no there's no logic behind some of the things that they're you know some of their decisions. Get yeah, let's get you know. Let's sit down and go, why eight? Come to the rink and watch our novice and Adam kids skate eight and go, wow, they are barely using any of the ice here. We probably could bump it up to 14, 15 kids. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Then while you're uh, actually getting out of the room that's got a gas leak, how about you think about this one as well? Let the kids play against each other up to, let's say, teams of 12, right? But let's say our, our right. novice girls. Let, right. let them play with coaches only in rinks that have Live Barn. So then the parents can watch on Live Barn. And you know what? It might not be perfect for everybody and every, you know. So some of the rinks can have games. But if you have this cooperator center in 
Regina that now has right. Live Barn. There you go. At least the kids maybe play five, six, seven games this year. It's got Live Barn. Just let the little kids play. And I think you could do it up to Pee Wee personally. And then maybe Bantam, you're starting to get, they're a little bit too big. You'd have to maybe rejig things there. But you got freaking Live Barn. Some of the small towns have Live Barn. Let them play. Everybody you got to watch at home. And if you can't figure it out, call up Spoons or Cathedral Electric. They'll come and help you out. I think the biggest issue, honestly, is that I talked about this with a buddy of mine today, and there's so much risk with no reward is the way they look at it, right? So if they let us play and nothing happens, great. If they let us play and something happens, it's going to be a firestorm, and that's probably what they're worried about. And then the only other thing that I want to say on this is Blair Watson from Hockey Regina is kind of the guy that I want to talk to, or Hockey Regina people right now. Kelly Bowes up in Saskatoon is a beauty. He runs Saskatoon Hockey. I know him. Uh, awesome guy. I heard they're running out of money, like somehow, some way from, from a rumor. I don't know how Sask Hockey or Saskatoon Hockey is going to deal with it. In Regina, here's an idea, Hockey Regina. And if people want to kind of get on this with me, maybe we can pioneer this. If you're a novice, Adam, even Pee Wee, let the kids franchise next year. So if that coaching staff is back and all the kids, so Belter, our girls, for instance, they automatically get to play on that team again as a second year. Your girl moves up. But let's say my Adam team. So these kids have played together, practiced together all year, and then next year it's all for naught. Let them play yeah. a year together. Maybe there's something that can be done with franchising, and it's not going to work for every team, but then you case by case it. I, don't know, I think I'm – I would like to see something like that happen because these coaches have put in so much freaking time with this group of kids wherever they are, and they're not going to be able to play. Yeah, it's kind of a joke and pretty sad. I feel bad for the kids for sure. Hey, why wouldn't a guy? All right, boys. Rosetown Mainline Motors, the king of trucks, along with Rosetown Mainline Chrysler, the trip – Let's get going. There's only a few more days to get in on that. Go buy a new or used vehicle from those boys. Entered to win a trip for you and three buddies on a private jet, the PJ, next year to an NFL game of your choice. Uh, the mainline boys there, the GM, they got the $1,000 bonus on any 2021 Sierra this month or Silverado. And then across the street at the Dodge Ram Chrysler store, 0% financing up to 96 months on a 2021 Ram 1500 DT model. So, yeah, unbeatable deals at King of Trucks in Rosetown. And I hope they're getting a lot of entries, you know, in January here for this Sunday ticket because we've had a couple of people mention to us how, like, fucking sick of a prize that is. Yeah, unreal prize. Anybody uh, in western Saskatchewan make the drive, even if eastern Saskatchewan make the drive, it's going to be uh, worth it with the folks in Rosetown for sure. Boys, they take care of you all the time. They came and picked up my truck, dropped me one off, and I was having a few little problems with it. Took it back, fixed it, brought it back. Boom. Quick trade-off. I never was able to vehicle for a second. So great customer service. Because if a collectible guy can't be without a truck, you never know when you're going to have to buzz across the street to buy you never, painting. You never know when the Lemieux rookie card's coming up for 200 and I'm have to be on it. I need wheels, boys. <laughs> so <laughs> Pokemon, like, do they call them like Pikachu rookies or fuck? How do you... <laughs> Did I not clarify that at the start? I have no clue what you're talking about in that instance. <laughs> Gotta catch them all, belts. You Let's kinda, go. You kind of, you kind of remind me even even of my kid the other day. Ah, oh, forget it. I'm not going to get into it right now. You're just such a pigeon. Let's get into Let's shout go. outs. Let's shout outs. Synergy. Synergy. Ag. The shout outs. I got. Uh, I got quite a few. First off, I want to give a shout out, and I don't know names, but they're all out there. Just any any coaches, women, 
men coaching minor hockey this year. Uh, just thanks. It's been such a pain in the ass for you guys, and I think it's kind of going a little bit unnoticed. So shout out to all the coaches in hockey. Um, Morgan Miller, guys, young guy hit by a car near Newen Lodge up in uh, up by Saskatoon by Osler. Um, it, so Morgan was in his truck in that bad storm and he just pulled over uh to help somebody pull him out of the ditch and uh yeah he he got hit in his truck so he's on a ventilator in saskatoon at the hospital stars air ambulance did a heck of a job getting him there so there's a gofundme page for morgan set up and uh, his parents are going to donate all the proceeds to star air ambulance so he's a tough hockey player and i think everyone knows morgan's going to pull through here but some uh, some tough times and, and a young guy just trying to help people out super super unfortunate there yeah obviously wish uh wish him all the best i don't know if we got to this last show so if, if we did just cut me off and let me know but uh got a message from Corey patterson in florida did we talk about that Guy lives in Florida. He's from Saskatchewan, former hockey player. Said uh, he tunes in from down in North Florida, 10 miles from the Georgia border. Said, I don't live in the crazy Florida. He lives in the uh, other part of Florida. <laughs> Said it was 47 degrees. Said to say hello to Ripper. So, uh, yeah, Corey Patterson, thanks for listening down in the FLA. Why wouldn't a guy live in Florida instead <laughs> yeah. of here? So not cold. not the crazy part though. Not the crazy Georgia. Part. It's not the crazy. Oh, Jason Aldean. Yeah, I got a shout out. I got a shout out for everybody. I've I've asked for a few uh, take a seat sons this week, and uh, sure hooked me up. Everybody's been helping out, so shout out to everybody that's uh, that's helped me out with a uh, little project we got going on. And I got uh, just a couple more names here. Uh, Chief Evan Tapotat from the Kahakawistaha. I, I have a tough time saying that First Nation Kak. Is, uh, is, this, is what the boys call it. So thanks for tuning in. He's actually Ethan Bear's um, uncle. And yeah, he uh, likes to chat about Ethan and all that. Chris Kasich, a new listener to the program. Thanks for tuning in. Kasich, a former jail guard here in Regina. And Barkley McIver, hot tub guy. He's, uh, he listens, uh, loves the senior hockey stuff when that was rolling and all that. So hot tub bark on uh, on twitter uh, thanks for tuning in so those are the shout outs uh, any other ones boys yeah i wanted to give a quick one to a guy i've known a little bit for quite a few years from up in the battleford area uh sent us a picture of a fundraiser he's doing out in maymont for their rink nick strain strainer 12 on twitter said uh, asked if we could share it he said it's it's the only income their rink has they're doing a little cash raffle two grand for uh winning prize there so if anybody's interested in that neck of the province and supporting the maymont rink check in with old strainer 12 on twitter good guy boys i'm gonna give one more shout out buddy of mine gordy may used to be our stick boy in hodgeville when i'd make a few of the husky games <laughs> he's working for an oil, oil company down in estimate he's actually one of the guys that's got me on the uh so deep into the collectible wagon so uh if we're doing an intervention we'll probably have to get gordy in so hey Give him Gordy a little shout out down there in Estevan. I know he listens all the time. 240 Gordy, they call him down there. Love him. Gordy's Love heard Gordy. everybody in Hodgeville talk a lot of shit about Shane Belter. Let's put it that way. He knows. When he didn't he show knows up for I the was games. a legend down there. He knows what I did. <laughs> the shout outs for Synergy AG, Crop Input Retailer, local guys helping local farmers and local anything. Uh, this year, once you get Synergy AG and the boys there working for you. Why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? Kids are hilarious. You know, my son, the other morning, Sam says to me, we have a cat. My daughter needed a cat. So we got a cat this summer. Milo is his name. And Sam says to me, 
Dad, I really don't like when Milo licks me. I said, what do you mean? Well, when he licks my hand. I said, what? What's wrong with that? Well, he's got germs. I said, well, it's just a cat. Like, he doesn't really have germs, buddy. It's not a big deal. He looks at me. He says, yeah. He licks his penis with that mouth. <laughs> it's just so funny and cute hearing a five-year-old talk like that. But kids are hilarious. Anyway. Uh, they are. Boys, time for my hunting, fishing, tirade, and now slash collect segment of yeah. the show brought to you by Arrow Plumbing and Heating. Hey, why wouldn't a guy get their furnace checked? You need a new one? Arrow can plug one in there for you. It's cold out. Make sure you shop local and get a new Lennox furnace, air conditioner. Hey, they got it all. But hey, you know what, boys? I'm going to send you everybody over to Barney. Barney's taking the tirade this week. I am taking the tirade. And you know who I cannot stand is Push Snow onto the street guy from his driveway. You freaking psychopaths out there. What are you doing? Do you not see that nobody else does that? They stack it up on the side of their driveways. You don't push it out there because then it just creates massive ruts, especially when it starts melting like it has been. And then in the spring, it's a huge pain in the ass. You're just a total freaking Muppet. Please, if you if you know the guy, call him out. I've called guys out before on old Singer Court here, or Singer Crescent in uh, Regina, pushing it on. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, these just make massive ruts. Kind of like when I called out dog dog poop, uh, dog shit guy that wasn't picking up his poop. I don't care. I don't know. That's my tirade. Hey, That's your tirade. I'm not going to lie. The, from the When I have like the sidewalk part left, I kind of go along and... Whoosh, 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 and I kind of fire it all out there. I'm not going to, I can't, I'm not full on everything on the street guy, but I do do my sidewalk part onto this. Throw it onto DeVito's. I can't, well, DeVito, hey, I'll tell you what, I chopped up a bunch of ice because the way she has everything running there, they try to screw me over all the time. I hate them so much. But they, uh, there's a big block of ice I broke up and she kicked all the ice onto my property. Oh, I just want to smash DeVito in. Take a seat, DeVito. Speaking of taking a seat, uh, we'll get to that segment uh Later, I wanted to bring this up before we forget, guys, because we talked about it last week with Great Western Brewing. We talked about the team deals and whether you could do it with seltzers. Shane asked the question, yeah, and you said we, we would find out. And you got an answer, I think, Shane, on that. Yeah, you. they are accepting it with seltzers. So if your ball team's looking for a deal this year where some guys drink beer, some girls drink beer, some girls drink seltzer, some guys drink seltzers, there you go. As long as it's... Uh, 016 or great western product you're going to get a little bit of kickback come this ball season or what is it fishing fishing tourneys or anything like that whatever fishing, seasons we're going to have this ball season. seasons we're going to have let's go there we go check it out with great western brewing i think we should uh we've been getting into her here maybe we should get into the interview what do you guys think absolutely like why wouldn't we Absolutely. And the interview, uh, Belt, I'm going to let you lead into him here, but I, you know, the interview brought to you by Bittner uh, Mortgages and Kent Bittner, 20 years experience uh, doing mortgages. So look him up all over the province. Belts, this was kind of one of your old coaches and a, and a guy that you're pretty close with. Man, can he tell a story? Yeah, you know, he had uh, grown up Swift Current area, so I've known him my whole entire life. Played for him when I was 20 years old. Storied career, you know, he's played all over the place. Up, down, minors, back, around. Kind of kind of took a really crazy path, uh, a lot different than a lot of guys. But now, you know, he's, he's won a Memorial Cup uh, coaching out in Kelowna and has a couple wagon of a team up in PA. And, uh, yeah, set beside Wayne Gretzky in the locker room. So here's our interview with Mark Habscheid. 
Yeah, this is a guy that we wanted to have for a long time, and uh, we were actually hoping to do it live at some point going up uh, to the Lakeland country, and it just didn't work out. So we thought, in, you know, if the WHL starts buzzing here, we better get him uh, on the line. Joining us, uh, total legend in Saskatchewan hockey and currently with the Prince Albert Raiders, Mark Habscheid. Mark, thanks so much for making some time this evening. Anytime, fellas. Thanks for having me. So on the uh, on the pod, we usually start it by going back, but on this one, we're going to do something different because you uh, you had the chance to coach that pigeon over there that's got uh, you know totes uh, on his run side and painters tape holding up uh, a flag on the other side. When, when somebody, if somebody ever said, not that they would, if somebody ever asked you, what would you say about Shane Belter as a player? And please don't bullshit us. <laughs> well, gray hair comes to mind. Uh, hair falling out of my skull comes to mind. Belts is responsible for both of them. <laughs> uh, and all honestly, I'll give you the negative. Belts couldn't skate even a little bit. <laughs> So Not even a little bit. This day and age, he would would he even cut uh, maybe Junior B? Would he be playing some Junior B? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But on the other side, uh, we traded for him. We were rebuilding, and we traded for this lug. He was in Lethbridge, and obviously, I knew about him because he comes from my hometown. I had him when he was just a little brat in minor hockey, so he came to my hockey school and terrorized me in that. So. But his parents were great. I knew that. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> so I got him, and it was all about helping to change the culture. And at that time, you know, as a coach, you can you can tell the players what to do. But when you have a guy on the ice that they can see, and the, the good thing with belts is I'm not sure I've ever coached a smarter hockey player. Like, he's not that bright in a lot of ways, but he's pretty sharp in a lot of ways. And Belts was real smart. And the other thing he did, uh, he could pa- something real simple, but he could pass a puck. And he passed it hard, and he passed it on the tape. And it was such a difference. I can remember even the first practice he came out, because we had some pretty good defensemen like Mickey DuPont, Robin Regeer, so on and so forth. But, you know, you could tell them the importance of passing, but they really didn't get it until they saw Belts pass, and he could pass the puck. That's pretty much all he could do when he could pass the puck. His head's already so big, he's not going to get out of that basement closet he's in so we should uh, stop with the belts compliments but i have one question for you when belts played for you do you remember the night that you said he could take the the team credit card and do you remember how that ended yeah you know take the credit card and go for some pizza absolutely and uh the bill came back with a lot more than just pizza on there and so belts is totally responsible for that so belts you owe the camloops blazers i think 300 bucks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you uh you're obviously you're born in Weimark, Saskatchewan, another Sasky beauty. Uh did you play all your minor hockey and everything right around Swift Current? Yeah, I started, you know, a neighbor, you know, immigrant parents, typical Saskatchewan story, immigrant parents, great parents, but not wealthy by any means. So a neighbor gave me some skates and then other neighbors gave me some used equipment when I was three years old. And I just started to play just on, uh, on the ponds and stuff. And then I, we were 10 miles South, just on a farm of Swift Current. And then I, there was a neighbor, he started a little team. We played a couple of games in Simeon Neville and, and, uh, did okay there. And then made the leap into Swift Current. And I thought I'd get 
chewed up by the big city kids there and did okay there and and stayed in Swift Current and played hockey there till I was uh, 15 and then moved as a 16-year-old play for the mighty Saskatoon Jays under Lauren Fry, another Swift Current legend. For the Saskatoon Jays, we were 13 wins, 47 losses, but we were just starting to, to make our mark come to the end of the year. If we would have played another 1,000 games, we would have been pretty good. What rank did you guys play out of? Did you play out of the old barn in Saskatoon, or where did the Jays play out of? Yeah. No, played out of the old barn. It was awesome. That's still my... Still the best rink. I mean, we had, uh, yeah, we had, uh, I can still remember there was um, Chappie Chapman. He coached uh, the Lethbridge Broncos at that time. And you could have access to the uh, to the benches. So one of the fans, he came down and Chappie didn't think too much of him. So uh, he sucker punched the, the kid. He was, I don't know, 18 or something, fell down the stairs and the dad came and then Chappie went after him and the dad went behind the benches, out the fire exit, down the hall. And I think it was from Lethbridge, hopped with his skates during the game, out the back alley and chased him down the back alley during the game with his hockey stick. Wow. So that was pretty, pretty fun. <laughs> That's straight out of Those like, like a, good old days. Straight out of a movie. The good old days, yes, it was for sure. So you you're, you're kind of minor hockey, and then and then you get uh, you get right into junior. Like it, you know, were you I guess playing and and you did you know that you were you're pretty good at this game? Well, you know, you really don't know who you, how good you are. Like you know, most of us kids growing up in that age group, I think we we're you know, we're a lot of us were just farm kids, like some farm kid, like Mark Lamb or Gord Kluzak, you know, or the Trache family, you know, we're just farm kids. We really didn't know how good we were. We just played for fun. And I look back kind of on our, we had one Bantam team. And I think on that team, there was 15 players and most of them were just farm kids, but out of 15 players, I think nine of them signed NHL deals. Yeah. So it ended up being a pretty good team. So you go up to Saskatoon, you play three years with the Blades, correct, in the WHL? Uh, one with the Jays and two with the Blades. And then I play, got traded because as a 19-year-old, I played for the Oilers. And then I played two weeks for the Kamloops Junior Oilers yeah. in the uh, in the Western League. So I, uh, the Saskatoon uh, days, we've you know we've had Kaminsky on, we've had Chase, we've talked about kind of that that early mid '80s. Um, if we go back to these these rosters like there's some awesome like Roger Cortco great name Brian Scrudland uh amazing maybe maybe let's go there any any Scrudland stories back from junior that stand out well you know what Brian was a great guy but you know it's kind of a backhanded compliment but it's it's the truth I mean when Brian played for the for the Blades he was probably one of the worst skaters one of the worst puck handlers not a great passer his skills were, weren't very good at all. There is probably most of the team, including the backup goalie, had had better skills than Brian Scrudlin. <laughs> but yet, Brian played 15 years, won two cups, and was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, Florida Panthers, Dallas Stars. So that just goes to tell you what character does and the intangibles can do for a, for a player. Great teammate, great leader, great captain, selfless guy. Uh, was the glue worked hard blocked shots did all those things so it's not all the time that that skill does it i mean brian scrudlin's perfect example of that god i love this dave Charche there too but another guy i gotta ask you about and you gotta have a story from junior about him is uh dave brown you know the one year 62 games 344 <laughs> penalty minutes i had a chance as a young kid 
to see his hands. Yeah, he was. He came in from Yorkton when Daryl Lubinicki took over. He wanted tough teams. He wanted the skilled guys to be play skilled, but he wanted the the tough guys to play tough, and he wanted the skilled guys to give room. So I was pretty lucky. I was a skilled guy, so I got a little bit of room. And a couple stories come to mind with that team. Uh, one with with Dave Brown. We were playing in Brandon, and there was a guy by the name of Carl Mokasak there, and he was a tough guy too. And, and Brownie and him always went at it. And I don't know, you guys might be too young, but there was a movie called Escape from New York. It was a bunch of gangs in New York City, and there was one part when the guy was was kind of chanting, Warriors come out to play, eh? Well, Brownie used that, and that movie was big at that time. Brownie would stand on the bench, and Brandon's bench was across the ice, and he would yell, Carl, come out to play, eh? <laughs> so that was his call to Carl. And that same team, Regina and Saskatoon were big rivals, but the dressing rooms were on the same side. So behind the benches, the, the players would exit. Well, there's a little security wasn't too good back then. So both benches emptied and went behind. And now we had a bench clearing brawl behind and under the stands and at that time you had these guys had little um drink trays with cups in them with the pop and the one kid with the drink tray was coming he was throwing drinks at us and there were sticks swinging guys were on skate sparks <laughs> and this team was was these two teams because they had bill laforge coaching we had daryl lubinicki coaching and so it was quite a quite a um quite a uh a rivalry and then we had one guy his name was Todd Struby he was he played for the Pats the year before but but got traded to the Blades so he knew guys on both teams and he was getting married in the summer the next summer and we we had more brawls than we did games almost and it was non-stop and and it was always Al Tour would fight Dave Brown and Leroy Gorski would fight so-and-so and Don Clark would fight it and it just you had these pairs. So now because Todd had played for both teams, he got, he invited both teams to Lanigan, Saskatchewan for the wedding reception. <laughs> well, we thought it was going to be like an all light, all out war. But as it turned out, everybody who fought each other, who had that rival were best buddies that night. And it was one of the greatest nights ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Let's get into the draft and, and the year. And then the draft, uh, you go round six, 113th overall to the Oilers, uh, Mark. We always ask guys about their draft stories. You know, if you're at, you, you know, round six, you probably didn't go. I suspect you maybe were uh, crushing a few at the landing or something like that. But uh, <laughs> how did it go for oh, you? Sure. No, I was just at that time, nobody went to the draft except, you know, the big boys like Dale Howard Chuck or whatever. But Outside that, you just stayed at home and waiting for the phone call. So I just walking around the farmyard and, and got the call. And it was really no big deal because, you know, at that time, you're just happy to get drafted. But that year, and that was my, I got drafted that year. I graduated high school that year. So, and also that year, and Belts knows them, it was my parents' 25th wedding anniversary. So I get a call from a family friend saying, you know what, we're going to have this, your parents' anniversary, a surprise party for them on the farm, but we're going to have it the same day, same night as your graduation. So you got to figure out a way to get your parents out to the farm. So they missed graduation or the, you know, the ceremony. I'm like, oh boy. And this was after the draft. So I came up with an idea. So part of the ceremony was over. There was going to be another part. And I went up to my mom and dad and I said, you know what? I said, Glenn Sather's out at the farm. 
and <laughs> he wants to see me because he wants to sign me to a contract. But I obviously I can't go. It's my draft night. So mom and dad, you got to go. You got to go because he's waiting out there for you. And he wants to talk about a contract. So they bet hook, line, and sinker. And they're going around telling me, well, we got to go because Glenn Sather's at the farm, you know. So <laughs> away they went. They're driving out to the farm and on the old grid road. And and I'll tell the story how they how they tell it is they're driving out and they're looking around. They're seeing these cars and all these cars and campers on this grid road heading south. And they're like, what the heck's going on here? Where are they going? Huh. <laughs> So they keep driving on the grid road and it's 10 miles south and they keep driving. And when you know it, these cars and these campers, they're turning into the farm. Huh. Wonder what they're doing there. So they turn in and they go into the yard and the yard is polluted with cars, trucks, campers, everything. And they're thinking, well, what the hell are these guys doing here? And then they come in the house and they hear this big surprise and they go downstairs and all these people, oh, happy anniversary. And they're Mom and dad were looking at each other. Well, that's great, but where's Glenn Sather? Jeez, I, you know, like, where is he? Jeez, maybe he can join the party too, but, you know, guys, like, where is he around? Like, I haven't seen him yet. Everybody get out. Glenn Sather's here to sign a contract. So yeah, everybody sure. out. <laughs> uh, so, how did it end? You know, like, did they. You know, like they, well, they finally realized that yeah. their then their friends told them, no, no, Glenn Sather's not here. They had to tell you that just to get you out here. But they said for about an hour, they kept looking. Where, well, I hope you know Glenn Sather. Where is he? You know, I hope he doesn't leave. <laughs> Dad's got the new Lincoln picked out already. Sinking. Oh away. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, new link, new Lincoln picked in with a fifteen thousand dollars signing bonus. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I want to talk about oh, yeah. uh, I want to talk about that year in the World Junior Tournament because I think this year when they were playing the World Juniors on TSN, they showed highlights of one of the games back then. It was at some satellite rink in Minneapolis when you guys finally won it. You make a nice pass from behind the net in front. That tournament, uh, you know, the World Juniors was nothing like nothing like it is now. Still quite the moment for you, Mark. You guys win gold. And, you know, when you go back to that tournament, what are the, the fondest memories that you have? I think everyone sees now when, and every Canadian team does it, they go arm in arm and sing the national anthem. But that team started it. And, and it was by accident because they didn't have a copy of it because the rink was so brutal and they didn't have a copy so they were just going to kick us off the ice and we just said no so we went arm in arm and we sang it and from that point forward the tradition started and I think that team will always be special because you know you can win it but no team can ever win it for the first time again and we were lucky enough to, to do that but I think for your program probably a story you're interested in that has not been published too often was uh Dave King and uh a teammate of mine Todd Struby they were uh we played in Rochester and it was a blizzard that day and about 2000 people in the building and the building was freezing it was really cold so the morning skate we had and obviously now we're and it was on CBC radio it wasn't even on TV but we were realizing that this had all of a sudden got some legs and it was starting to become a big deal back in Canada but no TV, just radio. So we're, you know, we're, we're getting ready for the morning skate. And Dave King always wanted everyone with their helmets on, skates up, sticks in your stall, ready to go, to go on the ice for practice. 
And like I said, it was really cold in there. So Todd Struby had this balaclava, this this wool balaclava. So he put the balaclava over just with two eye holes. And he had a big schnoz, like a really, really big schnoz on him. <laughs> so his big beak was sticking out of this and he put his helmet on so now he's got this balaclava with his helmet on and he's sitting in the stall and dave king looks around we're all sitting in the stall and he looks at strubes and he goes strubey get that bleeping ski mask off and strubes looks at him and goes kinger how'd you know it was me <laughs> <laughs> and the whole room erupted and that kind of took the edge off and away we went oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but he made one fatal mistake in the in that final game like i i was pretty good offensively but i couldn't check my hat so the checks, all they, they needed was, they needed to beat us. We just needed a tie. So there was, the game was tied and I think there was two and a half minutes left and a face off in our own end. And Kinger tells me to go out there and I'm looking at him like, are you sure? <laughs> He's like, yeah, go out there. So I go out there and take the face off and Yuri Dudacek took the face off and it almost broke the defenseman's stick on Czech's team because it went back so fast and he rifled it and Mike Moffat make, made a big save and and I never skated so fast back to the box in my whole <laughs> life for a change. On your hockey DB there, you played a few games, seven games to be exact, with the Oilers that year. So what's the story on how you ended up in Edmonton for those games? I was a sixth round pick. I went to Edmonton and didn't know what to expect and just played. The stars aligned and I led the training camp in scoring. Uh, preseason, I shot the lights out. I just, it was one of those times where I was doing really well. So they sent me back to Saskatoon and, and uh, about a month later, they called me up for a month as a sixth round pick. That's where I got the seven games in. And and then after that, as a 19-year-old, I pretty much spent the whole the whole year up there. So it was a time that, you know, things just kind of clicked the right way, I guess. And that, uh, your first NHL goal that year, do you remember that fondly? Well, it was, it was in the Winnipeg arena and it was just a deflection on, uh, Doug Sotarder was, no, it might've been, uh, might've been an old Pat goalie, Ed Stanowski. It might've been on Ed Stanowski. So yeah. yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Did they do anything? Nothing back? too flashy, just a deflection. Did they do anything back there? You know, like when you talk to some of these guys nowadays, they do up the plaque and your first goal and who it was assisted by and all that. Back then, it was just, you know, Palomino. I got a puck Pal- and I took a knife and scra- scraped in one on it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and had a cold, had a stubby. What I find incredible about that year is you played 55 games in the W at 151 points and you didn't lead your team in scoring. Yeah, that was, well, I missed 20 games pretty much because I was in Edmonton of the World Junior. So I missed 20 games, but it was, you know, I we had a good team. Luby let me play. You know, you don't really know until after what you have. And Luby was good for me because he insulated me with guys like Dave Brown and Don Clark and Bruce Gordon and Leroy Gorski so I could play. And he just let me play. You know, I was trying stuff and doing things that, you know, in today's game, I'd probably be benched for, but he let me do it. And I had good line mates, good teammates, and we had a good team. So, and it was one of those years where it just, it went and, and kind of took off from there. So 82, 83, you, do you start in Edmonton that year, Habby, or do you start in Kamloops with the junior Oilers? No, I was up there for probably in Edmonton for a month and a half. And then they sent me back to Kamloops and this is how the game has changed. So they sent me back to Kamloops because I wasn't playing. There was a couple centermen ahead of me. One guy had two nines on his back and the other guy had two ones on his back. So <laughs> I had, 
I didn't beat them out. So now I'm either a checker or an energy guy. And that whoever knows me as a player knows I'm neither. So (laughs) at that time anyway, so they needed me to play. So I went down to, and the oiler Edmonton Oilers owned the Kamloops junior Oilers at that time. So they arranged for me to play there and I went down and played six games and I think I had 23 points. So that was pretty good. But I think the, how I remember that, mostly two things i had a billet for two weeks and they're still friends of mine to this day and the other thing i remember is we were playing portland um it was a minute to go we were losing i got a suicide pass got hit hit my head on the ice and i was convulsing there was blood coming from my ears and my nose they brought an ambulance out i was on the stretcher in the ambulance to the hospital i spent overnight they let me out the next day i flew to edmonton and monday morning i was back on the ice and they were skating the shit out of me and i was wondering why i didn't have any energy and any head any headaches but that's how they did it back then concussion didn't concussion really didn't happen back then wow yeah there was not a whole lot of uh, of protocol back then no so, not a lot but you have you have good you got good numbers 82 83 in the show 32 games as a 19 year old with 13 points like nowadays you'd be a superstar with those kind of numbers especially for the amount of time you probably got on the ice yeah but you know what it's all relative the scoring was up then too but and the games are different and it's it's interesting to see it though because i was part of that team for sure i was but and you watch those games now and back then we were we were really fast like that was a fast team but you watch the classics now and you watch that team you know we weren't that fast compared to how the game is now Probably the the best thing that happened to me or whatever was I was the youngest guy in the team and I think they had 22 stalls. There's 22 players. Well, the 22nd stall was a half stall. The half stall happened to be, and it was the worst stall because it was a half stall. It was right in the walkway. <laughs> well, like, so on one side of me was on was the wall and a doorway what everyone went through, and the other side of me was the guy sitting that had two nines on his back. So that was okay. I, I wasn't. Comp- complaining about that the only time it was tough was after a game i had all these media around but they weren't interviewing me (laughs) it was kind of like get out of the way away from the rink and maybe playing ping pong or whatever you guys are doing back then was he just always like trying to trying to gas it and trying to win yeah he was he was really really obviously competitive and you know he wasn't the strongest guy but i can remember one thing that that was off the charts was his his vision his vision as far as scoring was was off the charts and he uh he just had a had a way about him but as good of a player he was he was he was a better guy he just cared about his teammates like i was a young kid 18 19 and but he was also very competitive. I can remember, well, I talked to, talk to you guys about that training camp that I that I had. And, you know, I was just a young kid and that was the year of the Canada Cup. So he came back, which he came back from the Canada Cup. And I can remember we were doing a skating drill and, you know, he was doing the skating drill, but not really going. And then Sather was kind of giving him the gears. Hey, you know, this hotshot kid here. And he didn't say anything and blew the whistle. And I just saw two nines for the two, two times around the rink. He just kind of let it be known that, that was his his deal so but he was a good human being too i mean i was a young kid living in a hotel till december and we were flying back from from calgary and uh i happened to have a seat beside him and he he just said uh like where where are you living i said at the hotel he goes what he said yeah at the hotel he goes not anymore oh wow. i said what he goes nope so stayed with him for a while and you know became friends and 
And, uh, and then he asked me one time what I was doing in the summer. And I said, well, I'm going to have a little hockey school. He said, oh, really? Where? Oh, in Swift Current. He goes, oh, yeah. Well, how long is it? Well, it's just, I think I'm just going to have it for a week or two. He goes, oh, really? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm coming. I said, yeah, okay, right. He goes, no, I'm coming. Wow. Sure enough, he came. I think it went from a two-week hockey school, half full to five weeks full. Oh. <laughs> and sure he was. He spent a day in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Wow. What a cool freaking story. My my last thing when you when we I want to talk about the Edmonton Oilers here cuz you know you, you go uh 83 84 and then 84 85 and you look at those rosters mark and yeah you got Gretzky and you got Curry and you got Messier on those rosters and those teams which guy do you look that stands out that maybe never got I don't want to say the credit but that you know didn't get the fanfare that was just you know, a major cog in that wheel. Joey Moss. Oh, good one. You know, and everyone's heard a lot about him, but he he brought everyone together. He kind of kept things light. Uh, I was there for when Wayne brought him in, and he was, you could tell he was just trying to find his way around and seeing how he fit and stuff, but it really puts things into perspective, and, you know, we just treated him like we treated everybody else. He was just one of the guys, and it was good. Everyone treated him with, respect and everyone cared about him and uh and it was it was good it really put the human touch on it he was a big big part of it as a player um I don't think he kind of gets ignored a lot of times because he wasn't offensive but you asked Paul Coffey who was really important to him and it was Charlie Huddy yeah he was an important guy in that team he was you know doing all the stuff blocking shots he wasn't a part of the you know he doesn't have his jersey hung up but he was quietly doing his job real popular teammate good teammate and and uh was really well respected by the guys was that team as close as people would think or was there you know guys pockets of guys i think for me as a young guy you know at that time there was none of them in the hall of fame like you know you know Wayne's Wayne but you know like Paul Coffey was a good player and Mark Messi was a good player and you know Grant was a good player and Kevin Lowe was good all these guys are good players but there's a lot you know they're all 21 22 so who knows how good they were going to be but then you look back at it now and half that room's in the Hockey Hall of Fame Glenn Anderson these guys you know and as good of individuals they are they cared more about their teammates. I'll give you an example where it affected me was I was 19 at this time and I think I would played 35 games. So I played pretty much like half, I guess. So going into the Stanley Cup playoffs, um, I think there was, we had 24 players and I think there was only 22 shares and I wasn't making anything. I made $55,000 my first year. Yaroslav Pozar and I, we were two extra guys that um, weren't eligible for shares. And so they had a, a vote and they could vote to either we don't get shares and then the Oilers just give us a few, you know, dollars or whatever for standby or everybody, instead of creating 22 shares, they created 24 and everybody pitched in and they chose the 24. It wasn't even a, wasn't even a thought. And that's just the way those guys were. Wow. What a freaking cool story. Then you get dealt in um, 85, 86 to the Minnesota North stars. Uh, did that come as a surprise or you kind of knew the writing was on the wall? I had asked for it just for the only fact I had been in the organization three years, I think three or four years. And I, you know, there's still 99 and 11 there. I wasn't moving up and I just, I had to ask to be moved just 
I loved it there and I loved everything about it, but I needed to play because I needed to, I needed to play or my career was going to be over. I, I couldn't keep going back to the minors because it was tough to crack the Oilers, obviously. So I sat out, uh, took some classes at Nate, some business classes, which was good for me. I learned a lot there. I learned that I could survive without the game. And, and then uh, I got traded December 20th to the Minnesota North Stars. So I spent Christmas in a hotel in Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> right on so it was and it was turns out it got traded for one of my best friends Gord Sherbin he came the other way so we still bug each other who got the best of that deal I really want to talk about 86 87 so you're playing with the North Stars and then back then you know I'm, a, I'm about 10 years old but I'm a hockey nut did, did guys used to get I guess loaned to the to the national team or, or how did that work well I had had Dave King with the junior team yeah. and and so I bounced around, went to Springfield, went up with Minnesota. And Lauren Henning, who to this day I still think is one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, another Saskatchewan guy from Melfort. And I went there. Again, they had a really veteran team and things weren't going very good. So it was at around November and I had an option uh, with my contract that I They'd put me on waivers and an, and an NHL team had claimed me. I could have went to this other team, but I had a choice. I could either go to that other team or go to the national team. And at that time, I needed to invest in my my game because my game wasn't as good as where it could be. So I, I decided not to take the money and I went to the national team for 15 months and it was probably the best decision I made. Um, so I went there. And after the Olympics, I was an unrestricted free agent. And it just so happened I signed with Minnesota. There was two or three other teams that had shown interest, but I went to Minnesota and I was lucky because Herb Brooks was there and I was fortunate to play for him. He understood the international game and Wally Schreiber and I went and he really was good for me and, uh, and gave me a chance to play. I, I want to go to the uh, yeah eighty eight. Uh, you get to to play in the Olympic Games, and you get to play in the Olympic Games in Canada, in uh, in Calgary. Uh, you guys don't medal, uh, unfortunately. I think you finish fourth. Um, you know, was was there a lot of a lot of pressure with that team? Uh, you know, with it being in 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 Canada and whatnot, uh, Mark, or, or did you guys really just, you know, you said, hey, let's let's throw it all on the line here and see, because the Russians were really good. Like you look at that Russian, the Russians roster, you know, they're all going to the NHL in the next few years. Um, you know, going into that tournament, where did you guys think you would fall, and and it was there a lot of pressure? Well, that's quite a story in itself. Uh, Eric Dehatchek, as you know. You guys, I'm sure, have heard of him. He was just a young guy starting out with the Calgary Sun. And he was he got this terrible job of following the national team for a year heading into the Olympics. He followed us at Christmas time in 87 was a tournament called the Izvestia. Basically, the national team was made up of a bunch of guys that weren't good enough to play in the NHL either young or guys like myself that were journeymen and, you know, trying to get their game back, but none of us were good enough to play. Well, if you remember the Canada cup in 87, when Lemieux scored that goal, that Russian team was the same team that we played as Vestia at in 1987. None of us were even good enough to play in the NHL at that time, let alone be the team Canada, Canada cup team. 
Well, we went into Moscow and we won the game 3-2 and we were the first Canadian team to beat the Soviet Union in Moscow since Paul Henderson and Eric Dehatchuk calls it the greatest Canadian victory that nobody knows about. So now we beat them and and again, the Soviets got after the game, they were stunned because nobody, they weren't expecting us bunch of slugs to beat them, but we did. So they, after we were waiting for the Canadian anthem and they played the Soviet national anthem instead. <laughs> so off we went and now it's two weeks before the, uh, the or a month before the Olympics and we played that same team in Saskatoon, an exhibition game. We beat them again 2-1. So now Sports Illustrated has us picked as the favorite heading into the Olympics to win the gold medal. Well, then we played the Soviets again in Calgary, and I'm not sure we touched the puck, and I think they beat us 4-1 or something. So we ended up finishing fourth, but I think that really helped me as a coach because the sum of the parts was greater than the individuals, and we played as a team, and, and we beat you know one of the greatest teams to ever be assembled in their home rink. That that's such a cool cool story. When you look at that Canadian roster too, you know you have uh, a guy like Randy Gregg, right? That you you guys were together in in Edmonton, and then I remember as a kid, like I said, I'm ten years old, and you guys somehow how did the Andy Moog thing? Because Burke was kind of international guy, mm-hmm. and then how did the Andy Moog thing come? He was kind of in limbo between teams. Well, he wanted Grant Fear was there, and he wasn't playing, and he kind of wanted to get moved and. And he was done his contract, but he couldn't move because the Oilers still owned him. So he thought, what the heck? So IGA sponsored him and he came and played for the national team for, for that winter. So him and Sean Burke split the duty, so to speak. Randy Morg wore, wore an iTech for a lot of times. Yes, the, he did. Goalie. Because they didn't allow those cat eyes in the Olympics. So he wore that iTech, a glass shield. Oh, that's like people still talk about that. I want to talk about a guy that, that we were going to try and do live last year up in Waskasoo. Didn't get a chance. We're going to get him. When you talk about international hockey in Canada, you have to talk about Dave King. And we had, I think it was Willie Desjardins on earlier on our, on our twirls and he talked about he had Dave you know Dave was really young but he just he couldn't sit down like Dave's always got to be moving he's always got to be doing something he's like you know besides the fact that he's a great coach and, and all of this when you when you talk about Dave King what, what do you tell people Mark well he's been an important part of me for my playing and uh coaching journey I think because I went to him when I was my game wasn't that good my confidence wasn't that good and he you know, I was one-dimensional. I could score goals and make plays, but I couldn't defend even a little bit. But I went there, and he forced me to defend, and I learned how to play in my own end. And he was good. He was very structured. I learned a lot about the technical side of the game. And he was from Saskatoon, and so I'd known him a long time through the juniors, and he was good, you know. And I tried to, you know, I was kind of a prankster type of guy, and Kinger was serious. So we kind of got along good. He understood what I brought, and I understood what he brought. And played a little prank on him one time, and he, that didn't go over too well. We were in uh, Dusseldorf, Germany in August, the Olympic year. And uh, it was really hot, outdoor rink. And, and uh, at that time, he had a year plan. And everything was laid out. Every Everything we did had a reason. And so sometimes the games weren't important. The practices were more important. So we're playing in Dusseldorf. The rink's hot. We beat them. Our stuff is just drenched. Right after the game, our stuff gets packed. And then the next morning, we're on a flight or we're on a bus from Dusseldorf to Frankfurt, take a flight from Frankfurt 
into northern Finland. And we get into Helsinki. We take a bus, I think, six hours to northern Finland. We had the back, our bags in the back of the school bus. And we go up. As soon as we get off, um, our stuff is frozen because it had, had time to dry. We Kinger thought we needed to practice. So the great thing about, I think, that group of guys were, it was just a good bunch of guys. And, you know, we never complained or whatever. We were just fortunate to be playing for Team Canada. So Kinger says, yeah, we got to practice. So I thought, you know what? Our stuff's wet. So you know what? Maybe the coach's stuff should be wet too. <laughs> so me being not that smart took his and the assistant coaches and like drenched it in his skates his sweatsuit everything was drenched so i'm sitting there i'm thinking yeah and the guys knew and they're laughing and i'm thinking well this is good you know make him feel like one of us and everything and all of a sudden he uh opens up his bag and he pulls out his skates and he turned as red as an apple and i was like oh no (laughs) and he goes who did this who did this Okay, just remember, you guys, I got the whistle. So I had to confess pretty quick that I was the culprit. And uh, I didn't know if I was flying directly back from Helsinki or not after that one. <laughs> I wonder how Mark Habscheid, the uh, the coach, would respond if one of his players did that to him. Oh, I know. I don't know. <laughs> did you guys practice? I thought he'd take it a different way, but I kind of misjudged that a did, little bit. <laughs> did you guys Did you guys practice or was the practice called off? Oh, no, we practiced. It was quite a robust practice. <laughs> <laughs> did he do it from the bench or did he come on the ice? No, he came on the ice, but he was, uh, he was, how should I say? He was very uh, inspired for practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must still talk to him quite a bit. You got you in those coaches forums. He's uh, he's up north all summer. Do you still talk to him quite a bit? And you uh, you know pick his brain on different things. Yeah, he's he's my friend now. You know, and even when my my players leave, you know, after in junior when they leave after their twenty year olds over, I said, you know, you're no longer my player. You're my friend, and that's what Kinger is to me. He's my friend, and. Loyal man. That's probably the best word to describe him. Loyal man. Doesn't forget. Um, and he's just a student of the game. He's still, he's like 155 years old, but he still is trying to get better and figure out the next thing for hockey. I was just going to uh, chime in like after that Canada run to get back to the NHL and carved out a couple pretty decent years in, in Minnesota and then the move to Detroit. I guess did that kind of you know, playing with Canada and playing well, did that kind of turn things around for you? Like, was it kind of a turning point, I guess, in your career? Okay, I'll tell you the turning point. The t- two <laughs> things were the turning point. One was George Kingston. He was working with the national team a bit, so he knew me. And he was assistant coach for Pierre Paget, and George always believed in me. And now it was getting into November, and I wasn't really playing a lot. And I know if I'm going down to the minors now, like my my career is done. I'm done. I'm not coming back to the National Hockey League. So there was rumors in the paper that I was going to get sent down. And if I did, I'm done. So I'm kind of nervous about it. I'm not feeling that good. We're playing the Islanders that night. I'm not feeling good. And I'm a scratch. And supposedly the next day they're going to tell me they're sending me down to the minors. So go to the doctor, get checked out. I've got um, an ulcer. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm getting sent down. I got an ulcer. So I just said to hell with it. Four beef and cheddars. I had a large milkshake and an apple pie for dessert. I got home to my apartment at six o'clock and I'm shaving and I'm stuffed. Can't even move. I'm getting sent down the next day. You know, I've got an ulcer. I feel like growing up. I'm so full, like life sucks. 
So my phone rings and it's the trainer. He says, Haber, you're playing tonight. I said, what? He says, yeah, you're playing. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are. Dennis Marouk got sick and Pierre says, you got to play. And I'm like, oh, great. So I go to the rink in, in traffic. I miss warm up. I get there. Now I'm getting dressed. Guys are laughing because I didn't even do warm up. So I'm sitting, getting dressed. And I'm thinking, okay. And I'm playing right wing on the fourth line. I'd never played right wing in my life. So now I find out I have an ulcer. I'm going to the minors the next day. Um, I'm so full, I can't even move. I'm ready to throw up. And I'm playing fourth line right wing, which I've never done before. Played the game, finished the game, two goals, one assist, first star, and I played another four years. <laughs> Arby's pregame meal after that, every, every game or what? There it is. I was going to say, I went to Arby's before rec games back in the day, but not before an NHL game. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was... But you know what? When I was in Edmonton, there was an old veteran there. His name was Gary LaRiviere. And he told me something I'll never forget. He said, Haber, he says, sometimes it's not how good you are. It's being in the right place at the right time. And there you go. I wonder what Denny uh, I wonder what Denny ate that day. Maybe went to McDonald's, had a bad Big Mac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got to tell you a quick story. Eddie Boxcar Hospital, good teammate, awesome guy. Well, the benches were side by side. I think it was the same game. We were playing the Islanders. Eddie was a defenseman, and he got caught, and it was a long change. So he was waving a stick, and he saw one of our guys. He went out too early. So Eddie, instead of coming to our bench, he hopped in the Islanders' bench. And Potvan looked over and said, slide left. (laughs) And here there's a picture of, the Islanders with Eddie Hospitar from the North Stars sitting on the <laughs> Islander bench. <laughs> Maybe just a quick story or something about Bob Strum and, and playing in uh, in Las Vegas there at the end of your career. I guess, you know, you get to uh, get to do the IHL thing. You do a little bit of Europe, but a lot of guys that played uh, for the Las Vegas Thunder really, uh, really loved playing there and playing for Strum. Strummer understood it wasn't just a game. It was a it was a business. It was entertainment. You know how in boxing matches they would have the girls do the with the cards come out round one, round two. Well, he had that for the periods: period one, period two, period three. At that time, we we're the like we we're getting sold out seven, eight thousand at Thomas and Mac, and uh, celebrities are coming out to watch, and it was just a big festival. And at that time, he wanted to get a lot of the guys that were just out of the NHL to play like Buskus, Sharples, Clint Malarchuk, myself, uh, Bobby Joyce, these types of guys. And then he sprinkled in some young guys like Radic Bonk. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we went, it was, it was an awesome time. I loved Vegas. It was great. Did you play, uh, was Randy Smith there when he played? Yes, he was. Alexi Yashin was there as well. Second year. Cause he held out. And so Strummer got him to come to Vegas. Way we went. Good looking Randy Smith. He probably just fit right in there with that celebrity style in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was good. It was awesome. <laughs> hey, Mark, when you start your coaching career, 96 97, you start in Melford. Is that the year after they uh, hosted the RBC? Yeah, we had a pretty good team, but it, you know, the RBC was over and. And they kind of went for it, so they inflated the budget, and I had to bring the budget down. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, but the town was great. It was the first time I'd really been back to Saskatchewan since I was 18. And uh, I loved it. It was great. I can remember they welcomed me to town. There was uh, three uh, Safeway bags full of fresh vegetables, and that's how they welcomed me to the town. It was great. Loved it. Super cool. So after Malfort, you... You know, you hit your ride into the WHL a couple of years in Kamloops and you kind of stick 
back to well, I'm going to call him the genius Lauren Fry. You get uh, back together with him and Cologne, and you guys put together quite a team that culminates with a with a Mem Cup in 03. Um, one question I have about that, you know, you guys lose in the third round. So how long did you guys have to sit? Because you guys were hosting that year, correct? Yeah, we sat for I think three weeks. So we decided we actually flew our guys home for a week. And I'm like, okay, the Memorial Cup's in three weeks and our guys are scattered all over Western Canada. And I'm thinking, what's this all about? But it came back. They were fresh. They were ready to go. And and it worked out, obviously. We we won. And, uh, and you know, we, we won at home for the first time. And that was something that they can never do again. And it was, it was something to remember. And Lorne Fry you know, head scout of that team. He uh, assembled the team. He found the players. Bruce added some players in trade and it was just, it was a good bunch. It was a real good bunch. I think good story for a lot of the young guys now is I had this player who ended up being not too bad of a player. He uh, was a listed kid and a bigger kid. And I was at the world junior and I came back and they had brought him up and Jeff Truitt says, you know, he was a defenseman, but they played him at forward. He says, you should see this guy. Like, he's a pretty good player. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And next year we played and he was, uh, was a listed kid. He didn't, he played junior B as a 16 year old. And now he's captain of the Montreal Canadians. And he turned out, he turned out okay. And I think all about him was just a great upbringing, great parents and tough, like mentally tough. And just his teammates mattered and probably a good story about, Shea Weber was his mom, you know, God rest her soul. She's passed, but she was probably tougher than, than Shea was. And I can remember Shea was, it wasn't quite right. And it was a couple of weeks. So I called him and I said, like, what's wrong? And he said, he told me about his mom that, uh, you know, she had, she had cancer. So he was just a tough kid. And, and there we were playing Portland, the one game and his mom was at the game, matter of fact, and he got hit, he got blindsided and he was knocked out cold. So he was taken off in a stretcher and then it was right toward the end of the game. And, and so after the game, um, I had to do some media. So Jeff went right over to the hospital to see him. And he said, Shay was on a, on a gurney waiting, you know, and he was in a spine board, neck brace, everything. Didn't know what was going on. Was he, paralyzed like what's going on waiting for x-rays and sure he goes up beside the gurney his mom's standing right there and he goes hey webs you know how you doing his mom goes oh he's fine he'll be all right (laughs) (laughs) uh you get selected to be the assistant coach at the 0506 olympics how did that come about after we won the memorial cup how can you win it at home again for the first time so it was just it was time to go and the NHL was going to be a lockout. You know, the American League was kind of a night, you know, I where would I go? American League or NHL team, you know, or do I stay or what? So Bob Nicholson called me right after the Memorial Cup and offered me this job because there may be a lockout, then they need somebody to coach the Olympics. And then there was a bunch of, you know, I could coach the world championships and be an assistant if they did go with the big boys to the Olympics. So I thought, you know, there's, no NHL right now so I thought that would be a good move for me so I went there for two years and that's how I was able to coach two world championships and in the Olympics oh it's so cool and even to back up funny stat you know you're the only person to ever coach and play in a world for Canada and the world juniors yeah and uh in the NHL and I think the world championships too and the Olympics yeah I think that's right I read that today that's very very cool stat 
Really? Yeah, oh. it just means you're moving around a lot. That's all, Belts. You know all about that. You're a bigger <laughs> yeah. suitcase than me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 2014, you you kind of put some roots down in PA, which you're still there now. What made the decision to go up there? You know what? My parents were older, and you know, Belts, how close I am to them. And my dad's passed since, and, and it was important for me to be close. And you know what? I, I always liked building stuff. I'm a farm kid and I always like taking, I always like taking things that maybe needed fixing and fix them. And PA at that time needed fixing and they called me and asked if I'd be interested. And it just, it was just the right time and just the right thing to do. And, you know, they, they needed some fixing and they wanted me to fix it. So surrounded myself with some good people and, and it's the longest I've been anywhere since I was 16. Bit of a vagabond traveler. And yeah, you're, you're kind of oh. set up in, in Prince Albert. Uh, do you spend, so you spend the full year there and, and, you know, what do you do in the summer, Mark? Yeah, no, I spend it here. And, you know, you, there's things to keep busy. I ride my bike and, you know, I was taking my pilot's license, just trying to keep busy doing, doing things. But as you get older, you guys will figure it out. You just small things mean more and you just take life as it comes belts belts figured that out a long time ago he doesn't get too rushed or too upset about much enjoy your life and and uh that's the way it is i gotta ask you what's the what's the arby's like in prince albert no oh there is an arby's i've been there once it wasn't as good as minneapolis though that must have had like a bunch of red bull in there or something because that was that Arby's made me some money, kept me in the NHL for four more years. So I, I owe that Arby's something. <laughs> I got to rewind something. I got a story from a former player, a teammate of mine, Robin Regeer, 97, 98. He's young... overrated. He's okay. overrated belts. Yeah. Hey, listen, there's a young guy. You remember a young guy that came in that year named Sean Thompson? Yeah. So I got a story from Riggs today that he, and I remember this. We're in practice one day. There's a big scrum going on. Sean, he's 16 year old kid, not paying attention. And and I mean, back then, Javi was pretty hard on the rooks. And he says to him, Thompson, what the hell are you looking at? And Thompson turns around and he says, sorry, Javi, I'm looking at the hot cougar in the stands. And Javi looks up and says, that's my wife. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> the, boys, right. the boys loved it. They thought that was good. How did you think it was too funny? And the poor 16-year-old was just like, oh, you never played much. So That's right. Anyway, I remember yeah. that. That was Old good. Old story Riggs told me. That it jogged my memory as Went well, back to so. Midget the next day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when you go back to your, uh, man, like you're international, but back your NHL, and I've asked a few guys this, that's before the days that they're chartering. Do you, is there any like stories that you remember where you guys just were, had to get, you're on a milk run to get back to whether it was Minnesota or, or Edmonton or uh, Detroit or anything like that? Like just a, a travel story that now you hear about the guys, you know, the private charters and all this, and then you go, you guys have no idea what it was like. Well, I was the youngest guy. I always got the middle seat. And I never knew what an armrest was because on one side of me was John Muckler on the other side was Glenn Sather. So I just, and the worst thing I would do because I was the youngest guy. So, and I was the first year guy. So I was, you know, they could have some fun with me. So I used to wear some cowboy boots or whatever. And I'd take my boots off on the plane because, you know, the different pressures and stuff. And my, my boots with would mysteriously disappear and we'd be waiting for our luggage and out would come my boots one by one until <laughs> until the turnstile coming out waiting for it. So yeah, that was a little bit different. We had lots of pranks, like even with the national team, 
we used to take crazy glue and fishing line with us because we take the dollar bill and put fishing line on it and put it in the Frankfurt airport and watch people go after it and pull it away. Or we'd take a Deutsch mark and we'd crazy glue it to the floor and watch people try to pick that up too. And you just, that's the fun part about the game was all the shenanigans and all the, all the fun, you know, the on ice and scoring the goal. That's great. But just being with the guys, that's what it's all about. So have you got, you know, you guys have had some good teams up in PA. You've had a good run up there. All things being equal with COVID and all this crap that's going on this year. Do you think that this is maybe out of all the Western Hockey League teams, maybe affected you guys the most just for the simple fact you guys had a pretty good wagon going into this year. Like you guys would have had a really, really good team. Well, it's, you know what, we, we won the league and then in March when we shut down, we're in first place again, we had fixed our goaltending problem that we had had before, you know, a month earlier, we were thinking we could repeat. And then this year might've been our best team out of all three. And it's one thing to hang the banners, but when in a small market, when you have a chance to go deep in the playoffs and put a million dollars in the bank or whatever, that that's survival or or death of a franchise so it's probably affected us a little bit more than most because these are the three years that probably you know were our best years in a long time some people probably this is probably a boring hockey question but uh one guy on your team that people just watched the world juniors Caden Gooley I know we got a lot of dub people that listen just how good of a player is is he gonna be you know what I think the best part Best story I can tell about Caden Gooley is everything, whether it be hockey or business or anything, it has to do with one word, and that's attitude. And here's a kid. I We had his brother before, so he knew what he was – we were all about, and we had a pretty good idea what he was all about. And, you know, he really helped us because he let it be known, like, he wanted to play in PA. That was his first choice. So we drafted him. He was our first overall pick. And his 16-year-old year was the year we won the league. We're big here into development. Not, Don't really care where you get drafted. You earn your time. You're not given your time. And, you know, you put players in positions to be successful. But that being said, he's still the first overall pick and a pretty good player. Well, there was games that he got healthy scratched. And there were games when he'd play four or five minutes. And not once through the preseason, regular season, playoffs, Mem Cup, not once did he complain. He just trusted and, you know, he wanted to learn. And everyone, you know, there's people, oh, he's got to play. No, he'll play at the right times. And he just, his attitude is is just unparalleled. And he's, he's going to play in the National Hockey League for a long time. Mark, I heard a rumor at a question about the Saskatchewan Hockey Hall of Fame. Did you have anything to do with that? Yes, I did. I founded it. It's quite a story. When I was at Hockey Canada, for the most part, I did a lot of sitting in the office watching the Flintstones in Calgary. <laughs> you know, Swift Current was pretty good to me, and just an idea came that, so I researched it, and Saskatchewan never had a Hockey Hall of Fame. And Kelly McClintock's a good friend of mine, so I came up with uh, an idea, a concept of, of uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame and having a dinner you know, moving it around the province and then the proceeds half would go to the hall of fame and half would go to the community and make it. And I, but I wanted to have it in Swift Current. So I needed some help. A friend of mine in Swift Current, Jimmy DeCone helped me with it. We went to the city, the city okayed it. I talked to Kelly McClintock about the concept. He went to the board. They loved it. Uh, that's when they were renovating the IPlex. So they put in 
uh, wing of the iplex for the hall of fame and it got set up and once it was set up transferred the name to the sha and put a board together and i walked away and it's been it's been great something i'm real real happy with how it's turned out that's so cool like i think everybody in saskatchewan probably knows somebody that's in there at this point like it's yeah. relatively new but i know like teams back home in my area and guys yeah. that played it just yeah no it's good it's it was fun and you know what it was I registered the name and with the intention of, you know, I wanted it in Swift Current and uh, happy to have it there. It was on the number one. And, you know, it's great, the big cities, but it probably means more to Swift Current than yeah. it does to Regina or Saskatoon. Yeah. And, and it's very well done. Like it looks phenomenal inside too. Yeah, it did, did a good a great job. job. Yeah, I liked it. It was, and I just like the format where it goes around the province, you know, and, and then half the proceeds stay and half the proceeds go to the hall and, you know, you induct local teams and it just, it's, it's real good. It's was, it's, they've done a good job with it. It's only belts 2022. Let's go. There you go. It's only, uh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that Kenner's PS3 must've just got scored on an overtime. He just woke up. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a matter of time before team, uh, team blacks in there. Back to back Monday nooner champs, one more. Monday and there nooner you go. champs. Yeah. yeah. How we uh how we end these things is we kind of do a rapid fire. We'll ask you some quick questions. One, two word, one sentence answer. Uh Oops. I'm gonna get started. Favorite road barn in the NHL? New York. Madison Square Garden. Favorite road barn internationally. Lizhniki in Moscow. Toughest player you ever played against? Mark Messier best prank you ever played on somebody or someone ever played on you the skates with kinger was pretty good <laughs> didn't turn out the way i wanted but that was pretty good <laughs> favorite ref nhl back in the day carrie fraser who's the uh one guy you coached in junior that was just the biggest treat to uh to coach aj baines Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show. You had some awesome stories. Sasky gentlemen, uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, PA gets rocking here in the dub, and you guys have another good run this year with uh, the weapon of a team you guys have this year. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Anytime. All right, boys. Good job, Belts. Getting Habshide interview wrap-up for 2020 Geomatics. Uh, Saskatchewan company, experts in subdivision process. Uh, they're your first call when you think about subdividing land anywhere in the province. Call Malcolm Vanstone and his guys. Belts, you didn't uh, disappoint us there, bud. Yeah, what a, what a story. You know, I, I love that he sat next to Gretzk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he's so funny the way he talked about teasing coaches and stuff like that. Because, like I said, I played for him and... Uh, You'd have, you'd have stuck water in his boots and you'd have been walking home from Prince George. So I love the uh, the Glenn Sather's at the farm story with his parents. <laughs> yeah. Where's Glenn Sather? Where, where's Glenn? <laughs> Everybody get out of here. Get out of here. Glenn's here. We're signing a deal. <laughs> yeah. He was, That's yeah. an all-timer. He was good. Uh, yeah. Good job, Belts, in the interview wrap-up uh, for 2020. G.O. Maddox. Hey friends, Evan Maxey here, Roanoke, Virginia. Take a seat, son. This is Andrea from Sycamuse, BC. Take a seat, son. This is Donnie Bailey, South Boston, Massachusetts, Southie. Take a seat, son. This is Sean Steffen from the Rusty Shovel. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Newest segment, Take a Seat, Son, for the Rusty Shovel. 
this thing's kind of taken off. And uh, as you guys heard in the, the intro to the segment, we had a lot of people send in clips of them saying, take a seat, son. I want to invite all you listeners, please send us a video of you saying your name, where you're listening from, and take a seat, son, because we'd love to include you in the intro uh, to the segment uh, one of these weeks going forward. I'd love to have different listeners chiming in saying, take a seat, son. So hit us up on Twitter at Monday Nooner, name where you're listening from, and take a seat, son. New segment for the Rusty Shovel. Who wants to go first? You know what, boys? I'll go first. I just want to say one thing about the Rusty Shovel. You know what's really cool about it? If you guys need a quote on anything, you take a quick picture, a few measurements, you can email it. And they'll give you uh they'll give you a price back close quote and you know if you have to get off your couch. So anyway, you I know what I want to do. Mention. You know what I want to do, belts? Sorry. Rusty, yeah. I want I want Oh to yeah, get, you told me about this. They 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 can do that fake turf, and I think I I'm, I might get some of that. But the I want to get one of those big outdoor um fireplaces. Fireplaces. Man, I need one yeah. of the just sit and crush some last mountain in the summer. Oh just take a seat, son, in your well. back sunroom and <laughs> yeah. have a few. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, boys, my take a seats on this week is staying local, pretty close to home, actually out of my basement. We've been we've been teasing this so much and I've been japping around so much in the house about it that me and uh, me and the little man, Sam, were downstairs watching uh, watching the oil game the other day. He's a big Oilers fan. And I heard mom yell from upstairs, Samuel, you got five minutes. It's time for bed. And Sam yells back up. Hey, mom. Take a seat, mom. Take a seat, mom. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. And uh, so Shanna, my wife, can be the first uh, first on my list on the take a seat, son. Mine, boys, really hit close to home last spring. And it's back. That Kraft Hockeyville scam that they keep stringing people from the West and Saskatchewan along. And as Rona could say, tickling our nuts. And then every year it's someone out east that when you couldn't even have went further east this year that won it. And Pent should have won it. Everybody knew. And it's votes. Well, let's see the audit. Where's the audit of these votes? Anyways, Craft Hockeyville. If there was a suck it segment, I would do it here. But Craft Hockeyville, take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a really fun new segment, guys. And like I said, we want people to send in videos of them taking a seat, uh, sending clips for the intro. But if you have your own take a seat, son, thing that happens in your life, share them with us, right? If you see something that happens or a story, tweet it at us, and then we can tell your stories uh, on the take a seat, son segment. We'd love to get uh, the listeners involved in this segment. And attach the rusty shovel on Twitter if you're doing it on socials. Sponsor the program. Thanks, rusty shovel. Take a seat, son. Hey, guys, senior hockey time, and we got a lot of guys in the province working on their all-decade teams for different leagues. Thanks to everybody who's DM'd us, and we know you're working hard at it. It it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, Josh Miller last week did a heck of a job. Josh is doing another one for us coming up here. Uh, Senior hockey soiree, always for Freeze Tallman Lumber in Regina and Fort Capel. Any projects, look them up. They're just as good as the big box store, and they're always supporting local. So... On the heels of that, we got the cool uh, interviews and whatnot coming up for senior hockey. But I don't know. Have you guys heard any of these? Uh, we would like to know as well your rinks. If you guys are, if they've kind of shutter for the year, because I think uh, some of these small towns were, you know, with no hockey coming back, they they were thinking about shutting the plant down and shutting her. So DM us. Let us know. It's unfortunate. Some of the senior teams on Twitter. 
you know, a little bit of a somber mood last uh, last week, although the writing was kind of on the roll. But just think about how awesome it's going to be next fall. Like, we're going to be able to do a senior hockey top 10 every week, and Wadena will be on top of Craig, and Craig will be pissed off, and it's going to be so much fun. And we're going to be able to go to some games, well, at least Belter and I will, and, uh, yeah, take in some uh, some senior puck. I wonder. I wonder if the Ryan Rockets are going to get a shot at Mrs. K by then too. That's you know <laughs> another interesting thing. You never know, boys, and that what's going to happen next fall. Are the She's Ryan- just ice roll. So yeah, everybody, keep your head up there in the senior hockey world, and uh, you know let's just let's just think about next year and uh, start putting in the training now. And we know that's not going to happen, but it can't wait. There'll be some uh, pretty good signings and all that again. And and the Monday Nooner isn't going anywhere. By next year, that time we hope to just be uh, going stronger as they say so. Yep, thanks to Freeze Tomlin and the Senior Hockey Soiree. Why wouldn't a guy? Okay, and another staying on the heels of Senior Hockey, we, you know, you guys, I'm going to challenge you guys this week to get some of your uh, your old guys, and I know some of the DMs have come in for uh, this Senior Hockey Player of Yesteryear, and I know there's some leagues that feel shunned, so, hey, send us a DM. Belts, I'm going to challenge you to get one out of the, uh, and it can't be Schmies or Knight. Someone out got of- mine out of that out of that so oh you got you got one yeah absolutely man i've got i've got a few dms about this guy and uh he's an absolute weapon from back in the day let's go who is it frank goche the goat he was an absolute beauty not much for uh not much for toughness but you didn't need toughness when you're as skilled as him where did he play i know that name hodgeville man (sighs) he was an absolute wagon i think a guy probably had three or four a night he was, a, he was a beauty. Great guy. Great great guy. Great hockey player. There we go. Player of the week from last year. And then I'll got one more here. I uh, played a he played kind of a, for a few teams in the Triangle Hockey League. And I heard he is tough as nails and a little bit skilled. Uh, Conrad McKay in the last year. He was in Ochapaway. Five games played, 22 points. Just like that. Conrad McKay played for Rokenville as well too. You remember Jeff Audres talked about him. So there's a couple of uh, players from yesteryear in the senior hockey loop. And next week, Boz is going to get us a whole whack from that Wilkie area. We'll be hitting the West, uh, the West Central heavy. Of course, this <laughs> segment brought to you by Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers. Spring auction season uh, not that far away. Of course, uh, sales coming up. Regina's is coming up March the 23rd. There's one in Saskatoon on April 6th. And a whole schwack of farm sales throughout the prairies. And guys, we talked about this in the fall. They have a Western Canadian online timed auction coming up on March 3rd. So go to rbauction.com for all the details with Ritchie Brothers Auctioneers. I had a dream that uh, all you fine folks from Ritchie Brothers um, were wearing 22 Fresh gear. It was it was Ritchie Brothers 22 Fresh gear. Kip Simon uh, got a squad uh, thing done for the whole team. And could happen. You guys I know, looked really I know sharp. One of my uh, the boss JC is a big 22 Fresh guy. He's got a Monday Nooner tarp. He's got lots of other 22 Fresh stuff. So oh, those, who knows? Could happen. Those tarps are coming in. I We're recording this on a Tuesday night as usual. The tarps are coming in tomorrow or Thursday. So they're going to be they're starting to ship them out. Anyone, you know, far away. Uh, they're going to take a little bit of time. But anyone that has them for pickup, 22 Fresh and Regina is going to have them. Have you seen the socks too? I got to pick up a pair of, a nice pair of 22 Fresh stock stockings. Real. Well, there's no sock guy. 
I wear socks. I wear socks all the time. I'm usually the champion guy. I wear those champion white socks. That's kind of <laughs> all I wear. So I'll have to get some of these 22 fresh ones. Hey, if they're uh, if the if the gotch are any indication how good the socks will be, I'll be rocking a pair. And of those you can do sure. a testimonial, like when I'm at the Medicine Hat Collectibles show, my feet need to be warm. I like the 20- I'm on my no, feet need- all day. I'm on my feet. I'm on my feet all day, boys. Selling collectibles, (laughs) cards, Lemieux rookie cards. I gotta have my feet feeling comfortable here, there, and everywhere. Head down to Twenty Two Fresh and get your feet nice and cozy. I'll do one for sure. Absolutely. Let's get about ten minutes late on this, but guy who sells Pokemon cards and is on a sports show, take a seat. (laughs) Take a seat, son. Yeah, you're there. You. That's what I should have done for the. You should have. You're such a pigeon. You're always late to the show. You just did it. We can add. You're 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 good at editing. Better late than never why wouldn't a guy or why wouldn't a girl yeah guys fresh off the heels of local hockey and what's going on locally with hockey this year we've talked to some guys in the whl they say for sure that the whl is going to go they're not sure when it could be like in april so a lot of the whl prospects have actually shifted and went down south and are playing junior hockey now in the ushl one of those from right here in Regina, Saskatchewan, will be a first-round pick is Cole Sillinger, who is now in the USHL in Sioux Falls. And Cole's joining us right now. You know, Cole, I guess the thing we talked about you, we talked with you uh, a few weeks ago. First thing we got to ask is, you know, what happened that uh, now you, you went, you ended up back down there? Yeah, so I guess... Obviously, this is this league has been has been playing for a while now and been been running pretty smooth. And uh, the WHL had announced that uh, their schedule, and uh, kind of just looking at both the schedules with me being a dual citizen and uh, and having to make a decision before the January tenth deadline. Um, uh, I just felt, you know, me personally for my development, my family and I made the decision that you know playing guaranteed games down in the states and having a you know we have like we have 37 games left and and playoffs of, and so that could be potentially 50 games so i think you know we with me coming down here i i feel like i have established a full season and uh yeah so i guess that that just made, made the decision pretty easy for me with uh having guaranteed games in 2021 and I heard uh, Willie and everyone in, in Medicine Hat totally understood, and they're you know they they were cool with it. Yeah, yeah. The all all even like when I was down here in October, the whole entire organization was uh, you no know, fighting for me to to get my release or whatever. But yeah, he's he was he's been awesome through the entire process and and understands you no know, that you no know, it's my development. So was it a, an issue more with USA hockey giving the release back? Was that the, the sticking point uh, for a lot of, for a lot of the guys that went down? Yeah. So w- what it was, was the, the, the WHL and hockey Canada gave partial releases with like loans that you're coming back to Western hockey when it starts up and USA only accepts full transfers, no loans, nothing. So we're we're hoping that there's gonna be something worked out there in October, but there just wasn't. So, and now there is to come home. Well, there is, but I am committed here for the full year. So that's oh. and, and and as well as you no know, the other WHL players or BC guys that have came down here, they've committed here for the full season. And I heard, I think uh, you know one of the one of the guys tied to the WHL said there was about 10, 10 guys from the Dub roughly that that are now in the USHL. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, a lot of the U.S. guys. Uh, we have a uh, Luke Toprowski's his name. He plays in Spokane. Real good player. He's in Sioux Falls. We got a guy named Sean Donaldson from the BC League. Uh, there's about four or five guys from Portland and Lincoln, so there must be a connection there. Uh, my buddy Matt Savoy, he's down in Dubuque. He was going to play in Winnipeg this year. Uh, yeah, a couple more guys, but no, a lot of the a lot of the guys that play in America are down in the SHL right now. What was it like to get that uh, that goal on the weekend and have the crowd uh, go wild? Probably been a while since you had that feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, there's like there's there's quite a bit of fans in the stands. It it, it was exciting for sure. But uh, yeah, honestly, lucky shot. I I got the puck and. Our team was screaming five seconds from the from the bench, so I just got it on my stick and shot it. And I, I think it might have even deflected off something, but it just went in. And yeah, crowd was loving it, so it was, I was enjoying it for sure. Um, <laughs> how how are things different though? Like I guess uh, you know, a like Brandon said, they have fans down there. How is it yeah. different as far as it like rink and billet house, and you don't go anywhere else, and then bus and travel? Or yeah, we try to try to limit ourselves to as much or i guess with we try to create a bubble within ourselves as much as we can but you no know, obviously guys have to you know if we have to pick up lunch or whatever we we can do that but yeah for, for the most part it's just kind of do your stuff at the rink and kind of lock it up at your house and just trying to stay away from COVID as much as we can. And how good uh, how good are you guys here? Like, obviously, you guys added you and Toporowski there. How, you know, what are you mm-hmm. thinking for this team and for the rest of the year? And, and how are you guys shaping into the playoffs? Yeah, it's a it's a good team, real good team, real good organization. Um, if you look at our division, uh, it's all divisional play this year, so we don't cross over. We don't go to the east side. So we play all of the Western USA teams, and it's a tight race right now. There's you no know, Sioux City, Omaha, Fargo, Tri-City. Like, they're all really, really, really strong teams. So uh, it'll be interesting to see with these next you know, 30, 37 games. We are 34 now. But, yeah, well, we're, we're a good team, and you know, obviously uh, we want to make a run for it and win. Cool. Hey, that's uh, that's good. You know, you gave us. Uh, we've had a lot of people kind of asking about you and stuff. So, you know, it's uh, awesome for you to to jump on here quickly and uh, and give the people what they want. Perfect. Sounds good. Why wouldn't a guy? We teed it up, curling fans out there. Uh, big, uh, you know, what's going to happen in curling? Yada yada yada. Sask was kind of late to the party. So, I guess the uh, fan of the program and part of the men's provincial team. Braden Muscawi, nice enough to join us this past weekend. We got this little interview for all you curling fans, and let's give the curling report to Last Mountain Distillery. Here's Braden. He's got some funny shit to say about the bubble coming up in Calgary. Check it out. As we told about, we're going to talk a little bit of curling here on the pod, and we haven't done that for a few months. But, uh, yeah, Braden Muscawi from the Team Dunstone Wagon is uh, joining us on the pod. So take us through this. Like, what happened? I guess Saskatchewan was kind of late to the party and who they're going to send to the Scotties and to the Briar. Yeah. So I guess to make a long story short, back in kind of August, September, um, the season was a little bit up in the air. So we kind of heard that there might be a potential bubble taking place. Um, that was kind of all we heard. Didn't really hear any more about it until kind of after the NHL season finished, actually. And uh, turns out that the CCA, the Canadian Curling Association, was has been in cahoots and talking with the NHL all along and had this had this under the wraps and planned all along. So, 
yeah, basically they have, uh, I think it's about a 10 week bubble planned, uh, Scotty's, which is the women's national championship, Briar men's national championship, mixed doubles, world championships, a couple grand slams, all under one roof over the course of a few couple, few months, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, so how exactly, uh, were the teams, of course, your team and Sherry Anderson's team, how exactly were you guys chosen to be the representatives for Saskatchewan? Yeah, so over the last, I would say, month or so, um, most of the other provincial organizations have, you know, turned on the TV or opened up the internet and realized what's going on out there and that we probably wouldn't be able to do any curling. So they picked their teams. And uh, for the most part, it was all defending champions. Now, in a couple situations, like Northern Ontario, for example, the women, um, they declined. They've all got some young kids, uh, jobs, you know, just getting a month off work and heading to a bubble without the, without the old husband and kids, I guess, was out of the question. So, um, so there was a couple teams that declined, and, and, and understandably so. I mean, we're, we're curlers. We're not making millions a year. We're not going to the NHL bubble, right, where it's like, sweetie, yeah, I got to leave you for a month, but I'm coming home with four mil in the bank. So I, I think most of the wives are understanding in those cases, right? So yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, but yeah, for the most part, every provincial organization picked defending champions. Um, Saskatchewan was under the hopes that they could maybe still play a, a championship. And um, so they took their time. And to be quite honest, um, me sitting in the defending champion spot, of course, I just want them to say, oh, just take the champ defending champions, right? But if you're any other team in the province, I think Curl Sask did a great job. You owe that to the other teams to wait until the very last moment to say, okay, no, we can't actually have a provincial championship. So I think that was fair. And um, to be completely honest, I mean, it's sweet we get to go to the Briar, but it's... Uh, it's it's certainly not the same as is winning your province and, and knowing you've you've completely a hundred percent earned it. So, so they went off like a points system of something for the last few. Is that something like that, or is it like? Yeah, that's what they said. I mean, I guess like technically we don't have the exact same team. Um, like we we changed the player out, so we only have three out of four. So it's technically we're not the defending champions, I guess. Um, so, and the women's is even a little more of a messy situation where yeah. the defending champions only have two players back and curling Canada's rule is you need three out of four. Um, so that's where we thought we were fine just cause we had three out of the four guys returning. Right. And the guy we had added was skip the team that we had beat in the, the provincial oh. final. Right. So it's not like we just added some schmuck off the streets. Like we literally added another one of the best players in the province. So, but yeah, ultimately I think they ended up using some sort of formula that they created that took into a, account your performance in the couple events we played this year, as well as the last year. So Wasn't, which ended up being our team and Sherry's team. Didn't really, I guess they maybe could have in some of these other instances really taken uh, teams that are, uh, like you said, you know, guys maybe aren't married. They don't have yeah. kids. They don't. So there was there was no thought to that to kind of say, hey, does your team even want to go? Like, are you guys a bunch of younger, yeah. you know, younger guys or like that? It, it, nothing like that. No, they did. Um, they sent out a survey, I think, kind of amongst the top maybe 10 teams in the province, men's and women's saying, hey, um, 
if we were to pick, will you go, will you quarantine for the two weeks before you got to go to Calgary for two weeks is the event. And then two weeks after. So, I mean, for one event, you got to give up, you know, I'm no mathematician, but that's six weeks, I think. So, um, you know, that, that's a lot to give up between vacation and kids and family and stuff. And, and we get that and our team's lucky, you know, we're, we're in a position and, and we've kind of dedicated our lives, if you want to call it, but we don't have family. We don't have kids. We don't have jobs that restrict us. We all have positioned ourselves where our careers are focused, where we can work from home or work from the road. Right. Cause. So who goes into the bubble? Like, is it the four of you, an extra and a coach, like six per yeah so yeah you can you can take your six basically you can go your four and uh alternate and a coach um we'll likely be just going us four and a coach um but every team has the option to take uh two extras yeah okay um so have you curled like in the last how has that worked with curling not happening are you guys able to get on the ice i thought i heard that maybe dunstone being out of bc he has been able to uh throw a few rocks but what about you sasky guys yeah, so Maddie's Maddie's. I mean, he, despite the way he looks, he's a pretty pretty smart kid. He lives he lives spends his winters in uh, the Okanagan, so uh, he lives in Kamloops. So yeah, he uh, he's been throwing rocks the whole time. They're not they're not restricted there. Actually, they have a rule that that makes a lot of sense to me. If you're a um, a BC carded athlete, so a Sport Canada carded athlete, you can still practice. So the hockey players that are, I don't know if it's hockey players that would be carded, but snowboarders, anything, curlers, they can continue to practice. We haven't thrown a rock since late November. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the biggest things for us is, is, is figuring out, figuring out something before the briar. Cause I mean, sheesh. You You're going to be sore the next day after day one. Exactly. I can go to the barley mill and throw a shuffleboard all I want. But <laughs> I think I'll be too sharp when I show up in Calgary. Boys. So yeah, that's what we're trying to figure out now is like, how do we practice? How do we get some reps in before we, we show up? Because And I mean, not everyone's in the same boat, but like Gushu, Gushu, for example, in Newfoundland, like he's been throwing rocks the entire time. They haven't been shut down once. So, so. bad. So, that, that's a big advantage, man. That's a huge advantage. So bet on him if we're uh, yeah, bet, so bet three, mean, six, if, five. If you're on cool bets or sports interaction, <laughs> don't be afraid. I, I, I personally cannot partake. <laughs> Let's just make that very clear. But, you know. Can you, can you at least like text us and let us know if you guys get on a runaway the night before a game so we can bet on the other team? <laughs> I mean, that's what's interesting too about the bubble is we don't know like it. Is the hotel bar open for business? Like, is she stocked up? Uh, what's we don't know anything. So you don't knowing curlers, it'll be going. I, I would imagine the hotel bar will be stocked, but uh, yeah, it'll be. It's gonna be interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a once in a lifetime experience. It's gonna be. It is what it is. It's whether there's great things to do or nothing to do in the bubble. It's a once in a lifetime experience. So it's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be fun. So have you heard anything like what hotel it is, where it, where it is? Like, are they going to put you up at like the, the motor hotel or, or is it, is it a nice place? Like anything? Have they said anything? Yeah. The Prairie Oasis in Moose Jaw, I think <laughs> is what I heard first of all, but uh, no, it's uh so it's, we've actually curled there and the setup before it's at the wind sport in Calgary, which is like the Olympic training center. Um, 
And then there's the Four Points Sheraton and the, uh, I think there's a Sandman or something. Maybe there's a Shark Club now that I think about it. But uh, <laughs> we're staying at the Four Points Sheraton. So it's going to be just kind of like they're creating a bubble between the two hotels and then the wind sports and they've got it all blocked off and just kind of screws through the, the breakdown. But yeah, it's pretty intense as far as the testing and everything. Like it's, they basically took everything the NHL did because the NHL let's, they ran a phenomenal bubble, right? Like you couldn't get out to uh, go to dancers in Edmonton for a hot wing. If you wanted to, let's just put it that way. Uh, Have you guys seen that little sheet that Danberg made up in uh, Elk Ridge? No. Yeah, he's got a little curling sheet outdoors. Really? Dead serious. I don't know how the pebble is. That might be the closest we get to a practice. We might need to get the old Elk Ridge boys on a little sponsorship or something here. Get us up on the sheet. Have you, so, like, have you guys, uh, you you know all the other teams that are going, like, or or some of the the teams, let's let's be honest here, pretty fired up to, uh, you know, to be all together and maybe crush a few. And that might actually get old after a few days. Yeah, like it's gonna be interesting because yeah, I, I don't think it's any secret in curling. We're we're pretty close with yeah. most of the teams, right? Like it's it's the same, you know, 15, 16, 18 teams kind of every weekend. We travel the country together, we play against each other, we we win together, we lose together. So there's a lot of downtimes, you know, in hotel bars and airport bars and not just bars, but mostly bars, I guess, now that I think about it. But uh <laughs> yeah, so we're all pretty close. So it's been this, these last few months have been interesting because we've all been texting back and forth, right? No one's really been able to leave their province. Like everyone's under different restrictions. Some guys are practicing lots and not playing. Some guys are playing, but not practicing. So I think everyone's pretty excited to get, just get the gang back together, so to speak. Um, I think there'll definitely, definitely be some good stories that come out of this bubble. Um, or maybe they won't come out of the bubble. Who's to, who's to say it might be uh, what happens in the bubble stays in the bubble. But uh. Uh, last one from me, uh, I guess curling is one of those sports where it's not really necessarily always a live, live crowd sport. But when you get to like the Briar, I'm sure you've, you know, you've played in front of 15, 20,000 people in some of these big games. Yeah. Is the, is the no crowd thing, is that going to come into effect at all you think, or is it going to be different that way? Cause I'm sure you've played in front of three people at the, yeah the Cali before too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have. And it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually thinking about that a little bit yesterday. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot easier for, um, I, I guess, younger, more experienced, inexperienced guys to, to really compete. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's one thing to make any shot to win a briar, but it's one thing to be Kevin Cooey who continually does it in front of 15 20,000 people and another million watching on TV like you don't have that I don't care what you say you don't have that same energy in the arena when there's no fans you don't have that same nervous energy it's not that dead quiet where you can hear when someone coughs when the game's on the line right it's it's no different if it's curling a shot to win the game or a guy coming down on a breakaway in hockey like it's dead quiet those moments before it happens and then when it happens, it erupts. So I think it's going to be, um, it's an advantage for the less experienced guys. Um, and even ourselves, I would say, you know. So when you're there and you got a down day, uh, we can we can catch up with you and you can kind of shoot us straight. Yeah, absolutely. Haven't seen the schedule yet, but uh, there'll be some time to chat for sure. We'll, uh, it'd be good. Do a little uh, correspondence midweek, <laughs> let you know what's going on and uh, 
keep the boys updated on who's looking hot out on the ice and who's not just in case anyone <laughs> has a few parlays going <laughs> <laughs> right on man hey cheers boys thanks so much thank okay. you so curling what do you think what do you think boz you're you know you've chucked a few rocks in your day you looking forward to that Put a little yeah, action down. I love watching curling. I don't care. You guys can judge me all you want, but Briar, Scotty's Tournament Hearts Worlds, I tune into that shit big time. And now that I know you can bet <laughs> yeah. on it, it's going to be a smorgasbord of uh, parlays with, you know, pulling for Mosky and the boys. Oh, they better. I want to know how much booze they're going to go through. Uh, Muscawi says he's taking his uh, Monday Nooner koozies into the bubble. So he's going to plant some pictures and, and send them to us. So, oh, it's going to be so much fun for some of those guys. Just The curling circuit is an interesting one. I don't know how much you guys know about it, but it's uh, it's an interesting circuit, right? They're always all traveling around together and it's a bunch of beauties for sure. So can't wait to tune into that. You guys got anything, uh, anything else? Are yep. we good for twirl 35 or six or whatever the hell we're on? Yeah. Just, you know, you never know. And we're going to have, we're going to, put together an impromptu twirl or maybe we still got to do that town hall you know maybe at some point we're going to do a little town hall action and yeah no just thanks uh, thanks for tuning in everybody make sure you tell a friend subscribe like boz said last week and if you're on apple spotify or whatever hit the subscribe button please and you know thanks to our all our sponsors and the title sponsor mainline gm in rosetown and chrysler in rosetown only a few more days get into that uh, sunday ticket deal Buy any new or used vehicle at either dealership. Enter to win a private jet, uh, you and three friends, to an NFL game. And Belter, I was going to leave the last word to you. Is there any rookie cards you're looking for or any deals you want to swing at Shane Belter on Twitter? Boys, I'm looking for an Iserman and a Hall and a low-graded Lemieux, and let's go. (laughs) And throw in a Pikachu and uh, make a deal. That's the only Pokemon I know, so that's why I keep saying I know nothing about it. You know more about it than I do, you opinion.
still. 